0: Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas, for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda hernandez Jaimez, and this is Ellas. Hola, welcome back to Ellas. I'm Brenda Hernandez-Jaimes, and I'm so happy that you're joining me today on today's episode. The wonderful and empowering Jai Vargas will be talking with me for episode 39. Jai Vargas is a multicultural marketing and diversity consultant with 15 years of professional experience in building businesses, strategies, community engagement programs, specifically for employee engagement via employee resource groups and business resource groups. She has expertise in developing and delivering training for career and leadership development that ties to the organization's bottom line. Jai is also the founder of The Latinista, a national work network of women and Latina professionals invested in professional development and career mobility. Today, The Latinista offers a series of skill-building, actively-driven, hands-on sessions specifically designed to help identify and sharpen career and business skills required to achieve professional goals. The Latinista has chapters in New York City, Chicago, Miami, LA, and San Diego. Please welcome Jai Vargas.
1: Hola Jai. Hola, que tal? Thank que you tal? so much for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, it's an honor to have you here on AS. It's I've been a fan of your an admirer of your work and the footprint and the legacy that you are giving to our community. So it's really a moment of celebration to have you here on AES.
1: I'm so honored. I really respect the platform that you built and completely see the need because so many Latinas and women of color and just people in general need to hear everything that you have to say and the fact that you're sharing so many diverse stories is really impactful. So I'm so glad to be here.
0: Thank you. And I'm happy to start this conversation and to start with you. And, you know, I always like to begin um, my episodes with asking, who is Jai? You know, you've accomplished so many things. Let's, you know, give our listeners, who is that Jai, that amazing woman?
1: Gosh. um, So I think of myself as a Latina, as an immigrant, um, as a recovering corporate professional. Now I'm an entrepreneur turned consultant, and I'm really passionate about giving back to the Latinas and women of color and just people in general who really want to learn to hone in on their business skills without having to go back to school or dedicate so much time, energy, or money into it. And just, I I love doing that work. And so that's me. Awesome. And let's start with you deciding,
0: you know, because your um, education career is amazing. You know, you went to FIT and then to NYU and you have a multicultural marketing background. So I want to start like really peeling into like, how did you come to that decision? You know, because when we're young, we may have an idea of what we want in our careers, but then when we're like studying it or in the workforce, in the corporate field, We're like, this isn't what I expected I would be doing. So was it a lot of you, you know, talking with other teachers or you researching on what you wanted to do? Like, how was that moment of decision making?
1: You know, it was interesting. So obviously I was young when I figured out what I wanted to go to school for. But in my mind, I wanted to be a graphic designer, actually. Mm. And um, unbeknownst to me, you had to have a portfolio. And so nobody really prepared me for that. I had no idea that you needed that, you know, when you were in high school. I don't even know how I would have prepared that. And so when I was applying to school, I got into a number of colleges and, I ended up choosing the fashion Institute of technology. Um, and they asked me, all right, so what do you want your degree to be? And I was like, graphic design. And they were like, great. So you'll need to submit your portfolio. And I was like, Ooh, no idea what even a portfolio entails. I actually, I want to go to school to learn it. How could I have a portfolio? Right. It's one of those catch 22s. And so I asked the career counselor on the phone. I was like, well, can you share with me what's similar in this space or world? And they were like, well, you can do advertising, marketing, communications. And I was like, well, I think I like marketing. I think I like advertising because I love watching commercials. And I love the feeling that one feels when purchasing a product. I would love to know how that concept comes about. And just blindly, I said, all right, I'm going to do advertising marketing (laughs) communications. That was literally it. That's how I chose my major. And it turned out to be great.
0: So let's talk, you said a recovering, um, what was the phrase exactly? Recovering corporate? Corporate
1: professional, yeah.
0: Yes. So can you share with us those first years of you basically being in the corporate field and really... Not only applying the skills that you acquired in school, but also discovering new skills, new, you know, abilities of what you could do, what you could offer, and how you could, you know, grow inside the
1: field. Yeah, absolutely. So, when I was in college, I was asked to find an internship opportunity and I went to a fashion school. I studied marketing and advertising, but it was a fashion school. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't necessarily interested in being in fashion. I just happened to be at a fashion school. And so when they offered me the internship opportunities, it was like Tommy Hilfiger, Donna Karen, Coach, you know, Versace, um, Gucci Fendi, all of these huge brands that were in New York City. And I was like, well, I'm not really passionate about that. And so my career counselor said, what are you passionate about? Where do you want to work for your internship? And I said, not sure what I'm supposed to look for. And he said, you know what? People probably tell you, like, follow your dream. And they're like, what excites you? What brand do you love? Because it's going to be so much easier to work for a company, an organization, or a brand that you're passionate about, that you love. And I was like, well, this might sound weird, but... I kind of grew up going to car shows. My dad used to take me to the car show every March in New York city. I love cars, like everything about cars. And my counselor was like, so you want to be a mechanic? Like you want to work at a car shop? What are you saying? And I was like, no, I mean, I would love to work at like a luxury car company. And, um, he said, all right, so what's your favorite? And I was like, well, obviously Mercedes Benz is the best. And so I looked it up. Of course, this was 16 years ago. And I figured out that Mercedes-Benz headquarters was about 20 miles from my house here in New Jersey. And back then, you know, you didn't have LinkedIn necessarily. Mm -hmm. You didn't have the ability to network like we do now. And so I printed out my resume. I faxed it to them. And I showed up at the headquarters. And I was like, I would like an internship. And they were like, do you have an appointment? And I was like, I mean, yes, I'm here to see HR to see if I can get an internship. Yeah. They were like, so who's your appointment with? I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, technically HR. (laughs) I didn't have an appointment. I think the security guard felt bad for me. And then the receptionist felt bad for me. And she was sort of like, all right, hang tight. I'm going to call my girlfriend in HR and I'm going to see if she has time to like, Grab your resume from you. I waited there for a couple hours, probably an hour or two, and somebody finally came out, and they were like, well, we don't have anything right now, but we'll give you a call if something comes up. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, they gave me a call, and they asked me what I was good at, and I said, well haven't worked. So I'm studying advertising and marketing and communication. So anything in that world. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working at Mercedes Benz doing philanthropy and communications and writing press releases for the executives, writing biographies for the new executives that were hired. And I did that for a number of years. And it was the most incredible feeling I've ever felt in my life. It was the feeling of literally euphoria. You are jumping out of bed because you cannot believe that you were working at your dream company. And it's just, I remember those days and those mornings clearly. And I said, I would be so blessed if I can remember this feeling for the rest of my life. And if I ever work for a company that doesn't give me this feeling every morning, I don't want to work there. Then I know that I've sacrificed because I know that it's totally doable and available and possible and that it exists and so I sort of always kept that inside of me and that's always what's what's guided me um I learned so much during that first corporate role and I still have to this day a mentor Tracy who lives over in Oregon Uh and she still instills so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom and she helps me in so many ways um And it's been incredible, an incredible journey these last 16 years. And all of my jobs, I've utilized my Spanish skills and my Latinidad and my Latinx and my Hispanic immigrant experience and culture. And every job I've ever had in corporate these last 15 years has everything to do with helping companies figure out how to develop programs, services, and products to Latinos. And that's my expertise. And it's been awesome. I loved it.
0: Wow. I'm just, I can't stop smiling because you, okay. So let's, you showed up, you stepped up, you, I I, I'm, I can imagine me just doing of like stepping out of your comfort zone, maybe. Cause for me, that's like stepping out of my comfort zone and just going for that dream job and waiting those hours to at least have a conversation and say, well, I'm interested in this. And then being followed up and getting, landing that job. It's just a reminder that yes, it's like, that's possible. Like that can be totally. accomplished.
1: Totally. For, completely. Yes. People always ask me like, my goodness, Jai, like how, how are you so fearless? Like what gave you the ability to just show up and do that? And I was like, I mean, I had nothing to lose. Right. I was like, Eighteen years old, and I had nothing to lose, and I was like, "Well, I'll just take an afternoon, and I'll print out my resume, and I'll show up, and if they open the door, great, and if not, go back home and do nothing." <laughs> right, and so it was just—I don't know where where I got that sort of fearlessness mm-hmm. capability, but you know, you you have nothing to lose, and you got to be in it to win it, as they say. Yes, I, I let's you know,
0: sixteen years ago, that was the way,
1: and maybe. You know, our
0: current reality maybe be might be different now because we can't go and like go to offices because everyone's working from home. But do, do you have any like advice for our young Latinas who want to step up and just you know take that risk and send the resume and uh, at least have a ten minute conversation with HR and so they could n- share what they have to offer
1: and get absolutely, that job? absolutely. You know, something that. Um, you have to have in order to get your opportunity or dream role or that next step is complete clarity. You have to have extreme focus and complete clarity. And so a lot of Latinas in my community and in my space and that belong to the Latinista, they're like, Hey, Jai, I want to be a project manager. I don't know. at like a really big company, you know, wherever, wherever they're looking for help, you know, in project management. I'm like, Maria, you have to be like laser clear and laser focused. I'm not going to spend the time trying to help you brainstorm this. You have to tell me what is the job title that you're going for? What kind of actual physical activity and characteristics this job entails? And tell me the top three companies you can see yourself at and what city and who you would report to and what kind of salary you're looking for. Because when you have clarity and laser focus... You're not wasting people's time and you're not wasting your time. So if you come up to me and you're like, Jai, I want to be a project manager at Slack and I want to develop Hispanic programs for the Slack community in Southern California with, you know, this expertise. I'm like, oh, my God, I know exactly who to connect you with. You're not wasting my time. (laughs) You're not wasting your time. And we're not sitting here like brainstorming and then sort of casting a wide net. You have to have like extreme focus. And so when you're ready with that type of clarity and focus, then you can reach out to someone who has that job and say, Hey, I would love to walk in your shoes one day. What did you do to get to that role? Are they hiring? Or, you know, have you heard of an organization that has a similar role that you can put my name in for? you have to be ready for these opportunities and you can't expect someone to have the time to help you figure it out. It's, you know, it's kind of a lot of work. Yes. And because at the end of the day,
0: it's, it's you, it's your job, it's your time. You're going to be doing the work, right? So you have to have that clear. And like, I've noticed when you know, your advisor said, well, what do you want to do? You know, what's the dream job? And you really had to question yourself. And then when you had it acknowledging that feeling, of happiness, of fulfillment, of empowerment, of like, if I don't feel this in that job that I chose or the next job that I have, it's a sign that's telling you, this isn't for you.
1: So absolutely, let's go
0: back to that. Let's, was there ever a moment of your corporate experience where you're like, you felt, you didn't feel that moment of happiness?
1: (laughs) Oh my God. So many times.
0: Okay. Let's, let's go. Let's, 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 you know, let's talk about that. How was it, was it months after or maybe days after being hired? When was that uh, moment of like... Years. years. Years? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Years. Um, because initially when you take a role, you probably choose so much work to make sure that this is the right opportunity for mm-hmm. you. And you negotiate and you feel good. And I've always had really great mentors and, and friends in my corner that could advise me to also say... You're making the right decision. This looks like a great opportunity. This is the work you're going to be learning, and great, let's go for it. You jump in, you're excited, you're responsible, you're putting your head down, you're working really hard. For me, at least, and I know that people's timelines are different. For me, at least, I mean, I've been in corporate many, many years I experienced challenges later on down the road, maybe three years in or nine years in, Mm -hmm. you know, and it comes a moment where you learn what you're going to take and what you're not going to take. Unfortunately, you know, you learn those really hard, difficult, grueling moments and you don't know how to react or what to do with them if you're really, really young and you've never experienced this, or you've never had those difficult conversations. I mean, there have been moments where I've been sitting in corporate America with my office door closed. And I've just cried for weeks and months. Like I did not want to be there. I mean, it got absolutely devastating to the point where you're like, I just want to jump off a bridge. Like I want to just break a leg so that I don't ever have to come and see these people It has just been a devastating situation at many times. Mm -hmm. And when you're so young and you don't know how to have these difficult conversations and you don't know who to ask and they've also never been in situations like this, it's tough. And when you have those experiences, it starts to rattle your nerves. I don't know if you've ever been in situations where it affects you mentally physically and emotionally and it rattles your nerves so much that you start not only doubting yourself but it starts physically affecting the way in which you can even talk or articulate you can't even defend yourself you are so nervous and so upset that you're broken and the best thing you can do is just get the hell out of there and for me unfortunately it's been probably two situations in 16 years i guess that's not bad But you learn so much from those moments, or hopefully people learn a lot. I certainly learned so much from those moments. And so exactly how I learned to keep that feeling of of passion and beauty and enthusiasm when I was at that great job and I was jumping out of bed, I learned those really desperate, awful moments, and I was like, if I ever get to this point, even 5 or 10 or 15%, I know the pit bull is going to come out of me. I will not be disgraced. I will not be put down. I will not be spoken to like this. I will not let this shatter me again. I'm going to take out every tool I know in the box to be able to defend myself because now I know better. Yes. And now this has happened once and twice. This is never going to happen again. And I don't know what I'm going to say or do, but I know my worth. And God forbid that I am made to feel 5% of what I was made to feel, I'm going to call everyone I know and have them have my back before I feel disgraced as I was before.
0: Wow. That's, I can totally connect with you because I did have that experience. I want to say like two, three years ago at a previous jobs. And it really destroys you mentally, emotionally, and physically to that moment where you see no escape and maybe the only escape is, yeah, like, oh, jumping off a bridge would be amazing. And taking yourself out of that situation is just, for other people it may be easy, but for you it's, like, kind of the end of the world because you're, like, I've known this. Like, this is what I've been doing and working in. Like, you can't really see an out, right? How were you able to, like, find that courage? And from knowing how you, you know, stepped out of, uh, stepped up and went to Mercedes Benz and, you know, waited that hour. I understand that moment of vulnerability and fear and not finding that strength that you had previously, that empowerment previously. How were you able to build that up to really make that hard decision and choose you over that job?
1: Yeah. I mean, You know, I was very lucky in the fact that I knew that I didn't need that job. The first time around, I did because I had just bought a home and I had just gotten married. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, I need this really big salary because I have this huge mortgage and I just got married. I've got a lot of responsibilities. I saw no way out. So I found another job before I was able to quit. The second time around, um, I didn't have that many responsibilities. I was financially stable. I had already been in corporate America for 15 years. And I was like, well, I got a ton of money in the bank. You need more, more than I, you need me more than I need you. And so I can go, I'm not going to take this from you. And so a lot of people, unfortunately aren't in the situation to be able to just walk away and say, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm done with this. People have student loans. They have mortgages. They have rent, um, kids, tons of responsibilities. And so I made sure that over those 16 years that I was in corporate, that I would never be in that first position again, to be able to say, Oh my God, I have to stay here because I have a mortgage and so many responsibilities. I was like the second time that this happens to me. And I hope that this never happens to me. I'm going to know that I can walk away. I'm going to be so financially stable that I'll never need anybody to employ me ever again. So that was something that I worked on for many, many years and it takes a while, but that's, Mm -hmm. that should be like responsibility and priority. Number one, before anybody jumps ship, you have to have at least two to three years worth of living expenses in the bank so that you can go be an entrepreneur or go find your passion or go do whatever you need to do, you know, before you jump ship, it's a big deal. It's good that you mentioned that. Okay. So
0: Latinista was founded in 2018, two years. No, it was
1: actually up. eight years ago in oh, 2012.
0: Sorry. sorry. I apologize. 2012.
1: Yeah.
0: But f- so I, I want, okay. So I'll, I'll ask the question that I want to ask, and then yeah. we'll go back, circle back to what you just said. What was that moment when you decided, I'm done with corporate America, I want to be my own boss and I want to help other Latinas and women of color to not feel what I was feeling. When was that moment when you decided I'm going to do the Latinista? This is, yeah. this is the moment. And and then tying back to what you said, you said two to three years of like living expenses mm-hmm. when you just jump ship. Because for our listeners who want to be entrepreneurs, who are have that side hustle, side project, but they're like, When is that right moment? And I know there's not the right moment, but for you in your case, can you share what you did in order to start The
1: Latinista? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it was the side hustle. Um, It's been eight years. It's been a long time. When I initially started The Latinista, it was more of a gathering of Latinas and women of color who needed a support system, who needed a group to come to to say, I need a job, I need to figure out how to have this awful conversation with my boss. Um, can somebody please help me? I Negotiations for salary are coming up in two months. What am I going to say? Or, you know what? They've been asking me to speak up more at work, and I just don't know how to be a confident public speaker. And so I really built this model around it being a safe place for us to say, we need to be more confident Latinas and women of color professionals without us going back to school or spending a ton of money. I'm going to use myself as a messenger and as a vessel. I just learned a ton of really great, amazing tools and skills. I'm going to share it with you all. And not just me, I'm going to bring in subject matter experts from like different categories to help train and teach us. Um, And so when I started this, it wasn't necessarily with the intent of it's like a full blown business. Um, But as I saw the need and the community booming and growing, I then realized, you know what? If I positioned myself correctly, I could monetize this. Um, So two years ago, you're right. So two years ago, I decided to go out on my own. I left corporate America and it was with the intent of, all right, I'm going to focus my complete attention to the Latinista and making this a successful actual business, plus I'm going to do diversity consulting because that's what I was doing in corporate America. And I said, there's so much opportunity in diversity consulting because so many organizations don't have a dedicated person like me in their corporation. Mm -hmm. They kept reaching out to me. They're like, Oh my goodness, Jai, you're doing such great work in corporate America. Do you know of a consultant that can help us kind of like the work that you're doing in there? I'm like, Oh, this question is coming up a lot. I wonder if I could be that consultant. Mm -hmm. And so before I left corporate America, I was ramping all of that up. I had my website, I had potential clients. I was like, you know, putting together my pitch kit. I was positioning myself to understand clearly what I was going to sell and for how much and who to, I already had the network. I've been here in New York city for 33 years and I'm an extreme networker. I, I mean, I've, I probably have attended like five networking events in a day. I'm a super networker. I can do networking for breakfast, lunch, dinner, the after party, and I will close the place down at four in the morning <laughs> and be at the next breakfast networking. Like, I know everyone that needs to be known to be able mm-hmm. to get business done in the Latino space. And so I was like, I have the network. I have the business knowledge And I see a need. And while I was in corporate America, I started being micromanaged again. You know, within this corporation that I was working at for nine years. Because when you're in corporate America, you're at the liberty of being reorged Literally overnight, they could be like, hey, guess what? You're working in this department. Hey, guess what? Now you got four other people reporting to you. Hey, guess what? Now you're not allowed to travel. Now you're stuck behind a desk for until whenever we say you're going to do something else. And it got a little bit volatile for me when they're telling me to do things I didn't want to do for nine years. I was having an incredible time calling my own shots. I had an incredible team and a budget and now things started to change. I got a manager that wanted to micromanage me. And I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this. It's not going to happen. I am too old and positioned too correctly in the financial stability. I'm getting the heck out of here. This is not for me. I pulled the plug over the weekend I called my financial coach. I was like, it's go time. I don't know what you have to do with my accounts, but it is go time. Let's get out of here. Yes. So, yeah. And
0: it's it's wonderful that you mentioned, you know, your pitch. You have that network networking and the potential clients to just hit the ground running when you took that decision. And for our Latinas who already have, well, what do you, what What tips do you recommend to f- network in this current age and also vital tips to raise funding so they can be ready
1: to hit the ground running and just start their business? Absolutely. I think the number one thing that you have to do is who is your potential client? Who do you want to work with or be like? And then when you have those names and you do the research, find them on LinkedIn, reach out to them. You know, you know, it doesn't have to take too much time, but you have to ask them, how did you get to this point? Who else do I need to know? Where do you get your news from? What events have you been watching via webinar or what conferences were you attending? Do you have a certification? I want to be like you. What have you done to this point? And so, start making sure that you have like a strategic network of people that you want to be like on your LinkedIn. That way, whenever those people post a job or they post an opportunity or they post an article, it starts to help you. And then when it comes to being able to save money for you to make that jump or that switch, You need to sacrifice. I mean, I moved into a tiny apartment. I stopped drinking all my lattes. I stopped shopping every week. I live in New York City. I had a shopping habit Mm -hmm. because I just love shopping. And I do tons of events, so I need hundreds of dresses. And it was a habit. I loved it. But I sat down with a financial coach, and they were like, you need to stop drinking coffee because you're spending a lot of money on coffee a day. I mean, it's like $7 a latte, sometimes twice a day. It's a lot of money. You need to stop shopping. You need to move into a smaller apartment. I even leased out my car. I was like, I need to ramp this money up because Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to be in the position where, yes, I had two to three years worth of living expenses, but then something like COVID happens and you're not making money for three months. Now what? All of a sudden, if you only had three to four months in the bank, you're screwed. It's over. You got to go back into corporate America. And so I've always wanted to position myself um, in a position of power, so that I never had to worry about where my next client was coming from. You know, another thing that women can do at this moment is to start teaching themselves these programs like Slack, like Canva, like Trello, and start monetizing that. And so you can become a virtual assistant overnight. You can literally sit there and help someone with their Canva graphic designs and say, hey, I can come up with four Canva templates and they're going to be a hundred bucks for all your webinars that you're doing. And you can be like that subject matter expert, you know, and Mm -hmm. try to position yourself in a way where you're making money while you're sleeping. And it's super, super easy for you. Another way that you can make money is recording something like this, where you're teaching a skill. So I have a webinar that teaches people how to use Trello You know, and that's up there in my library. And people can purchase that right now for 35 bucks. I wake up, you know, and I'm like, oh, somebody in Switzerland just bought my Trello workshop. Pretty cool. You know, so you can have those tools working for you. And all you got to do is like film something for 30 minutes or you're teaching someone something. And that's it. And yes, you can find a lot of these things for free on YouTube, but people want an expert or people are going to find you over YouTube. You never know. So there's so much that you can do to get ready to jump.
0: (laughs) Yes. And especially now, you know, we're living in the digital digital age where we can really monetize those skills and become the experts and create that trust with our own clients, with our own community to even educate and on the other side, have money for our business and for ourselves. So those are amazing tips. And let's go back and... I want to talk about how you are doing amazing work you know working with businesses corporate america and really helping you helping them develop those leaderships having building that community between business and their employees Mm -hmm. and especially now um in the current age that time that we're living in we have that we're talking about conversations in racism, not only outside in our community, but also in corporate. So let's focus on that and how racism has affected corporate America, has affected Black women and women of color, Latinas. How is a Latinista working to improve that? Because that's a lifetime of commitment. It is. It is. It's been an
1: incredible and very interesting dynamic because, because of COVID, right, as a consultant, everything halted. Nobody wanted to hire me because everyone was worried about them having to lay off employees. And so they were like, we can't hire a consultant like Jai right now. We don't know if we're going to have to close our doors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for two to three months, I wasn't being hired. And then George Floyd happened. And all of a sudden, the tide shifted. And so, so many things can happen during this sort of entrepreneurial journey where I wasn't doing anything because of COVID. And then all of a sudden George Floyd happened. Many organizations started to react and they got a lot of pressure from their employees saying, you guys are not fairly equipping us with the right tools and conversations to be able to be effective workers and you know what is our, our culture like and how can we make it more inclusive and what about the programming and look at our leadership it's completely white and i haven't gotten a raise and it's because i'm a latina so many things and so i've gotten calls from many different types of organizations trying to figure out how they're going to react to this pressure mm-hmm. and also the realities of okay wow our corporation is 95% caucasian What do we do? How do we start? Is it through training? Is it through hiring? Is it through policies? They literally have no idea where to start. And so for the most part, what I do when working with a new organization, I do a survey. Because the number one mistake organizations make is saying, oh, my goodness, we need someone to come in here and talk about what diversity is. Well, you're assuming that that's what you need. First of all, who are your current employees? Where did they come from? How did they get hired? Are, are half of them women? Are they African-American? Tell me about their history. These organizations know nothing. And so the first step is doing a benchmark assessment. How did they get recruited? Are they, you know, first generation Latinos? Are they African-American? What's their sexual orientation? Um, so much about the employees' work challenges also comes into play you have to ask the employees what's your biggest challenge and then all of a sudden they start sharing with you well I'm looking for a mentor well I haven't had a salary raise in three years well I don't know how to speak up in meetings well my boss is awful to me and I don't know how to have these difficult conversations right And then once you understand who these people are and what their professional challenges are, Mm -hmm. then you can start building programs to build a solution. All right. It looks like by this survey, this is the biggest challenge. Now we're going to start promoting and providing a program to help the majority that have been challenged. And it's, it's a multi-year process. A lot of organizations feel like they're just going to bring someone in. They're going to do like one or two trainings and they're going to check the box and be like, guess what? We did our diversity inclusion work. We're done. It doesn't work like that. So it's organizations are very surprised when, you know, they get hit with a, with a strategy and a multi-year consultation and they're like, Oh wow. We had no idea it had everything to do with recruiting, programming, retention, policies, insurance, strategy, leadership, development, mentorship program they had no idea. And so that's the world in which I live in. <laughs> and I'm
0: really curious, how do you develop that trust with employees to open up in these surveys? Because a lot of employees are like, Ooh, if I say, if I'm, if I'm specific or if I even share this, they're going to know, or maybe from my, con- um you know, computer co- connection, they'll know that I'm answering these questions and yeah. I don't want to get fired. Like, how do you create that trust? Because they may, it's both ways, right? Good intentions, recruiting, having that diverse employee and leadership, but also the employee doesn't feel that trust because for many years or months, they haven't even seen that inclusion, right? And that development. So why, I, I, mean, I mean, that must be a big boulder to
1: manage. So how do you create yeah. trust? That's a great question. You know what? That is absolutely a very valid um, question because I've been in the position where they're asking me to answer this survey and I know that I will be retaliated against if I tell on my boss and his crazy ass wait. I know that that's a fact because I've seen it happen in corporate America. And so as a consultant, I do a number of things. I have the employees sit with me one-on-one Whether it's a focus group, it's completely anonymous. So they can actually see me writing down notes Mm -hmm. and they can see what I'm writing. I won't write down their names and they have to sign and I have to sign a non-disclosure agreement that I will never hand this over to the person that hired me at that company. But what I do hand over is sort of an executive summary Here are all of the overarching challenges that I was able to extract from what's going on in this, you know, department. I'm not going to share with you who said it, but here are some things that happened. I also work with a platform called Pluto.Life, and it's a completely anonymous employee survey that it asks everything about where you were born, how you were raised and um, your sexual orientation, Where whether you're Afro-Dominican, whether you feel like you're p- being paid fairly, um, how you feel about the culture and the inclusion in this organization. Um, so it's completely anonymous. I wouldn't be able to tie the answers to the employees, even if I knew the IP address. And so I make sure that I share that with the employees mm. that, This is totally anonymous. You could tell us everything on here. And they do. I mean, the stuff that comes out of these surveys is is, uh, crazy. It's uh, pretty astounding. But it's powerful because then you know how to start solving for those challenges. Um, But, yeah, that's totally real for organizations that don't do it anonymously. Mm -hmm. Why would I tell you that I'm having a really difficult time with my boss? You'll be able to know that it was me, and then you'll fire me you know, and then you won't be able to tie it to me. But yeah, it's um, a very interesting sort of consulting practice that I run here.
0: (laughs) You know, and then these years of um, consulting practices and, you know, helping further that leadership development, what moments are you proud of, of like, you know, you, you realize that you have made positive change that will extend beyond, you know, after your departure? Maybe not specifically, but, like, moments of, like, you're proud of, like, having done change.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? That's the biggest difference between, um, so in corporate America or even among organizations, they have this group called an employee resource group. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can work at Toyota and they have a Latino employee resource group. Every Latino that works for the company can be part of this group and you'll have monthly programs and events that every Latino can join. Everyone in the company can join, but it's mostly built of Latinos and they deliver the programming. They have them for black, for Pan-Asian, for South Asian, for LGBT, for women, for veterans, for millennial, tons of different groups. And the biggest difference between that group And a business resource group is the fact that you can tie your programs to the business's bottom line. And so when I come in as a consultant, yes, all of these workshops are great, but unless I can tie what I do to the bottom line, literally, Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I work with a lot of companies that are looking to hire more Latinas. They just don't know where to find them. And so I help them rewrite their job descriptions on LinkedIn. And I help them position themselves among all these different Latino groups, specifically the Latinista, so that they can focus on finding the right Latina with those skill sets. And so that is completely tangible because I can say, we de- developed this job posting, we got 50 Latinas to apply, you interviewed 20, and we sent out an offer for two. That's when you can tie it to the business directly. And when people are like, well, how do we know that this diversity thing is working? We can say, we've upped our Latinas or women of color, people of color hiring practice by this percentage, right? Or we sold in the Latina community specifically here because we can see the product that they were, you know, purchasing. Mm -hmm. That's when you can be like, all right, I'm literally making a difference. It's not like you know, clouds and bells and whistles and fairy dust.
0: (laughs) And it's great that you also mentioned the rise of like percentage of how the Latino community bought that product because a lot of businesses, a lot of industries are just like shocked to discover that the Latino community is a big market where not, we're being ignored, Right. Nothing is really creative for us until we decide to create something for ourselves or to market ourselves, you know, and when we have that opportunity of like corporate America, you know, reaching out to us and having that hope for them to like market us, it's, it's shocking that it's, uh, it's finally happening, but also like necessary. So it's, I'm happy that you mentioned it too. It's something that needs to do, needs to be made and focused on more.
1: Absolutely,
0: and for moments we talked about those highlights. Have you ever like experienced moments where like discouraged? Like I imagine before you break, before you work with a with a business company, I imagine there's questions. You know, you have to filter your clients. you like you decide who to work with, right? Like, yeah. um When have those have you encountered those moments where like it's a big no for you from you, or when you're working and you just you know there's just walls being built and not allowing you to do your job
1: yeah yeah i mean i've only been doing this type of work for 2 years but there definitely has been moments where i'll get a call from an organization that says we're really invested we want to do diversity work like please can you help us lay out a strategy and i'm like okay this is what i propose but when i work with organizations I want to know that I've spoken to the CEO, the vice president, the executives are on board because if you don't get their buy-in, then I'm just kind of like an afterthought, you know, Mm -hmm. then it's like the employee resource group is like brought in and The whole company has no idea what's even happening. I want to know that the CEO is on board with this. Otherwise I'm not dealing with this. And so I have received calls from organizations that are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or CEO, I mean, he he's given us the green light. He's not going to be at the training. Oh, he doesn't have time to make it to the meeting, but let's go with it. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. Cause I don't want to be training his people mm-hmm. and him not understand the value and the impact that I'm making here. If he's not on board, you guys aren't ready for this. And you guys are like a company of like 70 people. What is he so busy doing? Come on. This is not, like, I'm not asking to sit with, like, a Fortune 50 CEO who's, like, this huge, you know, multi-billionaire. I'm asking to sit down with, like, somebody who runs an organization of 70 people. If he's not on board with meeting me and me understanding what he's trying to change within or- this organization, and it's, like, the HR girl that really wants the change, this is not cool. Yeah, and so I'm like, no, no, it's okay. We're not going to schedule the webinar. Not yet. You know, let me know when he has time. I want to get his buy-in. Because the last thing that I want to do is deliver a program. He then gets word of it and he's not on board with what happened. And he's like, where did this girl come from? Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. there could be so many issues that come up later because he didn't even know what was going on. And I never, ever want that. So I'm always like, no, it's cool. There's no rush. I'll wait. Let me know when he's available. (laughs) And let's go with
0: focusing more on the Latinista and, you, I, I want you to share, like, those biggest moments that you're, like, really proud of that, you know, have connected with other Latinas and women of color that just, like, brought a big smile on your face or, like, made your whole year, like, saying, reminded you like, wow, this is really needed. Like, can you share those moments of, like, happiness? Oh my God.
1: Absolutely. I think two really big moments that happen thankfully constantly is the fact that I love helping Latinas find jobs. I have a really great sweet spot. I mean, it has everything to do because I've built such an incredible network, a Mm -hmm. valuable network. Um, So I'm able to extend that network to someone who's ready to get the right job. And then the other thing is i run a program called The Confident Public Speaker with one of my best friends, Minue Yoshida. And we've been able to train so many Latinas and women of color on how to find their voice, how to articulate their value, and how to really position them for success. Like, you know, first they come in and they're like, oh my God, I'm so shy. And I'm looking for a raise and my boss and oh my God, and crying. And I just don't understand what happened. You know, and then when they go through the program, they're like, I know my talking points, I'm standing up on stage and I know exactly what I'm going to ask for and here's what I'm not going to do. So you just see that evolution and that confidence and that clarity and that's the beautiful thing when you see someone just like break out of their shell and, and stop playing the victim sometimes, you know, because a lot of these individuals have gone through so many years of being devalued. You know, they come to the program because they need help. And then once you teach them, like, what they're not going to do and what they are going to get really clear and focused on, then they're like, wow, I feel empowered. You know, and when they start sharing their story with other people and they see other successful women doing it, they're like, I just need to pull the plug. I'm going to quit and I'm going to start all over because that 10 years, I just, I can't recover. So, you know what, I'm just going to quit and I'm going to start. And in that interview is going to be like my first opportunity for a brand new me, and you just see them light up and they're like, oh my God, I can be a totally new person. And this will be my brand. And this is what I'm going to say. And they don't know me and all my challenges that I've had at my last company, I'm going to be a totally new person. And when you see them like figure out that clarity, you're like, yes, finally. Oh my goodness. This is yeah. so great. And they're just like so excited and so proud. And when you get that call and they're like, oh my God. They gave me that extra $20,000. I'm like, I told you all you have to do is ask. Well, hello. (laughs) And they're just like, ah, it's so cool. Such a great feeling.
0: It's great that you mentioned, you know, finding your voice and having you doing this workshop because you brought me back to a memory. Uh, I signed up for this finding your voice workshop that was, I was invited to, it was free Um, But now realizing it, I I realized that they maybe didn't really know me or they by accidentally targeted this message to me because when I invited my other great friend, we both, this was on Zoom and we're like, okay, um, we're the only young women here. We're the only women, we're like the only minorities the way like they were talking and speaking, like this isn't made, this wasn't made for us. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: They have a voice. We have one, but we, there's no connection for us to build it. How do you develop this workshop and like really find, because you already know who your client is for the Latinista, that Latina, but how do you develop that? How do you reach out to the Latinas who are afraid to, you know, develop their voice and their brand?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we even find them. I think they find us. So they're always Googling. They're always reaching out. They're always asking for help. I have this incredible team. I mean, Um, thankfully the Latinista isn't me. I have this enormous team, um, in Miami and Chicago and LA and San Diego. And these women are so ingrained in the community and their friends and their network and their family, um, reach out to us. Uh, they've helped me build all of our platforms, the Facebook group, the LinkedIn group, the Slack channel, the meetup. I mean, you name it, we're everywhere. And so, Particularly on Crowdcast, where we have all of our webinars, people just find our library of tools and they can click on there and say, oh, the Latinista had a negotiating salary 101 with an expert, Cynthia Medina-Carson. Wow, let me watch this right now. And in an instant, they can watch a 45-minute webinar on how to find your voice, what to ask for, how to negotiate, what to write down. How to push back you know what's your absolute lowest number that you're going to you know accept when you're going for a new role, and i'm really thankful that I've built this community of women that helped me do this because as you know, in building your As platform it's a lot of work <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a lot of work, and so it, it um it takes a whole community i'm so thankful for them because if I had to do this by myself it wouldn't be nearly as successful. They're just awesome.
0: And let's talk about that. How you you are the networking queen, but you know, for, but I want to go deeper on like, how were you, I know you connected with them, but like it was years of hard work. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, it's a lot of hours that you invest into, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of sleepless nights and, you now have all these locations where, you know, they can help you build a Latinista help you connect with other Latinas and women of color that need these workshops. Right. But maybe words of advice for our our listeners to just really comprehend and understand
1: that dedication Mm -hmm. that you went
0: through throughout these years.
1: Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of clarity. It takes a lot of focus on what, this platform and this community is going to be and what it's not going to be because we've been, you know, reached out to by many different companies and organizations that want to partner. And I'm always very focused on working and building community with people who share the same ethics and values. I've been approached by many people who I don't share their ethics and values and I'm not going to work with them. I won't even be seen on the same platform on a panel discussion with them because I'm very particular about the brand that I've built and that I am building. And so for me, it has everything to do with finding the right women who have the the right mindset and, and the passion, um, the tenacity that are tech savvy and that have a hunger and an energy that can match mine, you know? And it's interesting because when I was starting the Latinista eight years ago, people would be like, Jai, there's so many groups just like this one in New York alone. There are eight groups for Latina professionals and people are like, Jai, why are you setting up the competition? Like, there's so many already out there. And I was like, I don't think you understand the way in which I hustle. There is no way, shape or form that anyone could ever keep up with my energy, my hustle. I have developed and delivered an event or a webinar for the last eight years without missing a month. Do you know how many months that is? And in New York City, I think the most events I did in a month was like 11. There's no freaking way that somebody can match my hustle. There's just no way. I don't don't see anyone as competition. I actually collaborate a lot with all of those other Latina professional platforms because I'm not going to be everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. I focus on career professional skills. That other group is focusing on maybe like, meditation and yoga and like energy healing. We can partner together and commit to helping Latinas in the same space. But, you know, my group is very focused on making sure that we elevate and empower career professionals without having to go back to school or spend much money. Yeah. So I'm very, very focused. Um, and I've also... Learned a lot of platforms and tools that have helped me be extremely effective and efficient. I mean, I have my Trello platform open all the time. I'm on Slack all the time. I'm on WhatsApp. I'm on text. I've built my website with an incredible mastermind group. Like I've built the community and the platforms that can help me be successful. Like when I post an event, I have 11 different platforms that I post to like that. You know, And I've got people helping me with the event brief and with the graphic design and with the platforms and the website. Um, It's a turnkey system at this point. Um, But it takes a lot of time to be able to figure that out and the most efficient way to do it and the right people. There have been hundreds of women that have said, Jai, I would love to help you. I want to volunteer. Like, I want to help build this. But some people can't keep up or some people may not have the knowledge or some people just don't realize how much Mm -hmm. hustle it takes. And when I send you an email and if this isn't done in 24 hours, you're not the person for me. I can't, I can't work with you. (laughs) I'm looking for someone who's like on it Mm -hmm. on a crazy level. It's just, it's a fact. And I've been able to find some incredible women like Jessica Vasquez. She runs my LA chapter and Argelia and Andrea out of Chicago and Kim in San Diego they're just awesome and these women get it and they've been able to adapt to these tools so that it makes it easier on them as it is to us when we're building these platforms so I'm just blessed that they're there (laughs)
0: and oh my gosh you know remember how you said like why are you creating these um, competition with other Latina groups it's such a disservice to us you know are, I'll, I'll, I'll be clear, white women have been offered so many groups and opportunities to grow in every aspect of their life. And to having, for someone having said that to you, is just slapping not only you, but to us, you know, it's like, how dare you? And I'm just happy that your point of view is, you're not, you don't see it as a competition, you collaborate with these other eight groups, to provide even more value to our lives. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Because once you're really focused on what you deliver and what your community is all about, you start seeing the biggest difference between all of the groups. Mm -hmm. Um, Latinas think big. Angelia Perez Litwin is one of my dearest friends. She has an enormous community. So when I came on the scene, she was already there and people were like, oh my God, you're going to compete with Angelia. I mean, Angelica, I was like, are you kidding? Angelica's my girl. Like, we're going to take over the world together. And she's doing this and I'm doing that and we're doing this together. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, you're very close-minded to think that I'm not already collaborating with these women who are making an impact in these communities. Um, Yeah, you know what? If BMW wasn't around, why would we need a Toyota or a Lexus? Competition is healthy. Yes, You know, if if Toyota wouldn't have popped up because they saw that BMW and and Lexus and uh, Ford was already there, they wouldn't be as successful as they are today. And so if that would have stopped you from building a company, we wouldn't have all these really successful organizations. And I'm not trying to take over the world. I'm just very focused and consistent. And I just love that we're giving back to uh, an incredible community that needs it. And we're extremely consistent. That's, that's our, that's our game plan. And it has been for eight years.
0: And, you know, it's important for Latinas to know, you know, their brand, you know, and really develop that voice that you were saying and the skills and really acknowledging the power that they have so they could grow professionally, not only build their career, but also build the organizations that they're in so can you provide some, tip, some important tips that, every, that our Latino listeners should know about developing their brand so they can just hit the ground running
1: in this current age? Yeah, I think the number one thing that I share with people when they're developing their brand is what is your unique value proposition? So what that means is if you're an accountant and you're a Latina, why are you so different as that accountant, as that Latina, why does someone want to hire you when you're sitting in a room with like a thousand people who literally know how to do the same thing as you? So what makes you unique? And also what do you want to be the subject matter expert in? And so when I say your name and someone else thinks something, what is that? And so when someone says my name, oh my God, why don't we call Jai immediately? Someone else is like, oh yeah, Jai's the LinkedIn ninja, right? So how are you want to be branded and what are you putting out there? And once you figure out what you want to be known for, you got to be like super consistent. So when I look you up on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, all of that has to be extremely consistent. Where a lot of individuals fail is like, I'll meet them at a networking event, You know, and she'll tell me, she's like, Oh, I run women's empowerment groups, and, you know, we do them every other month, and we focus them on like building AI technology and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Wow, this is great. I go to find her on LinkedIn, and I'm like, What the heck? She's a nurse at a hospital? No, this can't be her. And then I'll message her, I'll text her, I'm like, Hey, girl, I thought I found you on LinkedIn, but this isn't your profile, is it? And she's like, Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm like a full time nurse. I'm like, how is this matching your brand and everything that you just said that you were passionate about? Why don't you put that on your LinkedIn? She's like, well, that's not what I do full time. And it's not really professional because I empower women on the side. I'm like, this isn't cool. You're not being authentic. When you hear that you don't know Mm -hmm. how to be authentic, this is what we're talking about. And if you can't come to the realization that you need to show up as your most authentic self is being that awesome nurse And that awesome AI women's empowerment developer, putting all of that together in your profile so that we can help you be that successful person. And if something is stopping you, whether it's your current manager or your company, then you have a lot of challenges that you need to obviously overcome. Yes. That's it. That's the the formula. And, And you need to just get really clear about what you want to be the subject matter expert in. And until you're allowed to do that or until you really want to do that, you're going to be stuck. And you're going to be frustrated. And so let's just
0: get it done. <laughs> yes, and yes, it's like this is a topic that's you know in conversation. Just be very clear with yourself. Have that you know hour with yourself, and just really go deep and ask those hard questions, like you said, because you, it's important to be your authentic self, so you can deliver the what the best that you can deliver, and just land that dream job that you have. You know, get that salary that you've envisioned, and really grow and live the life that, you know, we've always wanted.
1: Yeah. You know what I always have? I also have to mention too that, you know, it sounds easy for me to say because I've lived it and I've been able to do this and I've helped so many people get clarity and figure this out for themselves. But I also have to mention that it's extremely difficult for some and some women have no idea what they're good at. Some women have absolutely nothing that they're passionate about it sounds so easy for me to just wake up and tell someone just figure it out and do it. Some women have literally no clue what they're passionate about, what they want to work in, where they want to work, mm-hmm. what they want to do. They have no vision, no clarity, no passion, no purpose. And they don't even understand how to monetize whatever it is that they're at. And so I had to recognize that because it's, it's, um, unfortunately, for some women, and then that's, uh, that's when the power of a life coach or a career coach comes in. That's not me, yeah. but um, a life coach can totally get you clear on what it is that you may be passionate about, but I do have to recognize that it's not so easy for most people, and it's, it's hard, so I do have to recognize that because, you know, yeah, it was easy for me, and it's easy for some, but not for everyone, and, you know, it's just, it's a journey.
0: <laughs> yes, and, you know, the journey begins when you realize that you have to take that step, of really finding that what you're passionate about, you know, what's your skills, where, where do you see yourself? And when, you know, she decides to make that decision and, you know, make that change and work with a career coach or a life coach, or even, you know, listening to it, yes, you know, and, and hearing these different journeys and careers and, Different skills that every Latina has, and like f- discovering, oh, that's something that I like. This is something that I could see myself yeah. in. Like that's important, it, it's tough. You know, it it may take years to yeah. finally reach that goal, but when you do, it's
1: it opens the doors. You know, totally, totally. You know, just you just keep searching and finding, and 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 listening and engaging and involving yourself. Listening to yes to all these women that have shared on your platform until someone sparks something in you until someone inspires you to say, Oh, I think I'm actually pretty good at that. Let me focus a little bit more time on getting clear about what that could look like for me. Right. And see if it works. And you know, someone once told me like, what can you do at three o'clock in the morning um, and not get paid for and you'd still be okay doing it. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds really frustrating. But everything that I do right now as a diversity consultant and as Latinista, it's fun. I'm, like, uploading pictures on my website. I'm, like, building strategy and coming up with, like, new programs. That's all fun. But when I was in corporate America, if you were to ask me to do something like that at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd be pissed. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I don't care how much money they're giving me. This is awful. I'm (laughs) sleepy. Yeah. So, yeah. And a lot of money.
0: It's good that you say that you're now developing these new programs. And because, you know, earlier in our conversation, we talked about how COVID happened. There was a stop. You were waiting for rescheduling on webinars, on work. And then, unfortunately, the death of George Floyd happened. Then you were seeing a lot of reaching out towards your service and finding new ways to find strategies to develop these leaderships. And now that we find ourselves, um, I want to, be clear, we're recording this episode in July of 2020. Um, what are the next steps? Because COVID isn't leaving us and racism isn't leaving anytime soon as well. You know, um, what is the current plan of you developing and furthering the work that you do and the work that you do with the Latinista for today and in the next year, because I feel, and, and, and let's, let's go ahead and talk about the next 10 years. You know, where do you see the work changing and leaving more paths mm-hmm. for women of yeah. color and Latinas?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's changed so drastically for me because I spent Almost every week traveling to different corporations and different conferences, speaking on so many of these topics when it comes to um, diversity, equity, inclusion, unconscious bias, microaggressions, allyship, um, being a Latina or a woman of color in the workplace, and now it's all online. And so, unfortunately, for the rest of this year, for 2020, it's still going to be online. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we'll be able to get back out there. But thankfully, I've been able to really solidify a lot of the systems that I now use to record a lot of this content. And also, you know, invest back into my systems and programs so that I can be a better consultant. I think for the next 10 years, I want to develop a larger constituency of other consultants that can help me elevate my firm and my brand so that they can offer different perspectives as well. Because I only speak about what I've experienced Mm -hmm. as well as what I've researched in the industry in corporate America. I'd love to start hiring some people so that they can speak about their LGBT experiences in corporate America, or as the black woman, or, you know, experiencing racism and unconscious bias in the workplace. And so um, not this year, but hopefully next year I'll be able to hire someone when I recoup from this COVID madness and we're all hopefully back to work. So it's interesting because, because of Corona and COVID, I have been able to expand my reach to a more international database because now when I deliver content to my corporate clients, they're like, Oh, our organizations in the UK are also going to be listening. And I'm like, wow, this is a totally different game because diversity and inclusion in the UK is definitely not diversity and inclusion in the U S and so that's been actually really interesting. So I've learned a lot so far. Yes, and like, I
0: I guess from this unfortunate pandemic, you know, more opportunities have opened up and having your work and voice be heard in other countries is something good, you know, and a change that needs to be done. And it just reinforces how our world is very global and it affects us all, you know, like it's a domino effect.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love it. I I love the the knowledge that I've been able to gain and I've learned quite a bit there are so many Latinas overseas and in the UK and in all of these countries that haven't experienced what you and I have experienced Mm -hmm. as Latinas in the United States and so it's fascinating to hear what they've gone through and I'm like wow this is a whole webinar in and of itself and so it's beautiful to see the evolution and um yeah. I mean, diversity and inclusion has really been dug into over the last 20 years, but it's not going to go away anytime soon because there's so many organizations and individuals who are still trying to figure out where they are on the spectrum when it comes to handling this. Yes. So, so I'll still
0: be employed. <laughs> uh, for, and two two questions to close. And what's we talked about the vision where you see the latinista, the work, and you you envision for the next 10 years, but I want to see what is the vision that you have in the next 10 years for diversity and inclusion to improve on? And in that question, it would be like realistic, Mm -hmm. like me, like what do you think will happen? And what obviously
1: you envision? Yeah, absolutely. I think something for me that I would love to see is, everyone taking responsibility for diversity and inclusion and not expecting someone in the diversity role Mm -hmm. to have to handle this, right? Because sometimes in corporate America, they have one chief diversity officer. And for the most part, it's always an African-American man, Mm -hmm. right? So I want this to be a shared responsibility throughout the whole organization so that it doesn't fall on the back of like that one HR lady or that one black chief diversity officer to try to come in and solve this diversity or, and challenge.
0: Yeah. Or even if they don't have that, it's like the one, you know, African-American employee or the only woman, you know, of color, you know, it's not, they don't even have that position, but yes, sorry to interrupt.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I wish that it could be a shared responsibility, you know, and it takes time for all of us to understand really at the foundation, what is diversity, what is the equity, what is equality, what is inclusion, what is the unconscious bias. Once we all understand and digest what these terms mean and how it shows up for us in the workplace, then we can take on the responsibility and say, me personally, this is how I'm going to move in this professional space. Everyone has to be completely personally, professionally involved and responsible for themselves, right? And the CEO is going to tell us what the strategy is and we're all going to help. Right it shouldn't be like on the burden of a Chief Diversity officer or like the poor h r lady trying to do her hr job and diversity. it's a huge role, and it should be shared, and so I'm hoping that it's must much, much more of a shared responsibility in the future, so that'll be great
0: excellent and now that we've had this wonderful conversation about your journey about you stepping up and reaching out for your goals and really helping our community. If you had the opportunity to travel back in time at any age of Jai, what would you say to her?
1: Oh my gosh. I think I would probably travel back to when I was, I think 25 years old. That's now, you know, over 10 years ago, I would travel back and, give myself the space and knowledge and courage to stand up for myself and to not be spoken to as awfully as I was in that corporate space that I was back then. Um, And to really reach out to other people for help. You know, I was so young, I sort of felt helpless, like nobody in my family had ever been in corporate America, so I couldn't fathom talking to my mom about what is happening with me mm-hmm. and my awful boss who was taking, you know, advantage of the work that I was doing. Um, she wouldn't know. She would tell me to keep my head down to do a really hard job, you know, a tough job, keep my head down, be humble, take that money that they're giving me and then eventually it'll work out and it will all be over. My mom wasn't in corporate America. It doesn't work like that. And so I would probably talk to myself and give myself the space Um, and the time to be able to deal with such tough conversations, reach out to more corporate people for help in having those conversations, um, and making it out with all of those scars that I did,
0: (laughs) but I am happy that you decided to speak up and take yourself out of that situation and that you're now literally, you know, living the life that fuels you, that fills you up with happiness and empowerment, and you're doing the same for other women. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you for giving me the space. I love being here sharing with your whole community.
0: Thank you. And it's such an honor. And, you know, where can our listeners reach out, follow you and to reach out? I know you're on LinkedIn, so can you share all your social media, you know, um, accounts, as well as the Latinista and So if they have any questions, you know, they can go and ask you or follow your amazing content.
1: Thank you. Definitely on LinkedIn, Jai Vargas. You spell my name with a Y, Y Y-A-I, Vargas with a V, as well as my website, jaivargas.com. And the dot You can find all of our webinars on there, from networking to negotiating salaries to being a confident public speaker. You name it, we are everywhere.
0: Thank you. So, I'm. I hope that you found a lot of inspiration and motivation because I did. And thank you, Jai, for ha- for giving us this time with you and just sharing your journey, sharing those lessons, those big moments and really finding solutions for diversity inclusion developing leadership and just finding your voice and just not being afraid and just go and ask for that salary get that dream job that you've been envisioning for yourself and thank you and Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you really found that motivation to just find your voice and find that dream job. And you can listen to a new episode or watch a new episode in two weeks. You could follow us on Instagram. At AES the podcast, that is E the podcast. If you want to be a guest here on AS, you can email me at asthepodcast the podcast at gmail.com, that is E the podcast at gmail.com. If you like, you could follow me as well at friend underscore J A I B R E N underscore J A I. And if you like, leave a review. Let us know what you think of these conversations, of what you find motivating, what guests you would like us to feature here for next time. And again, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jai, for being here. I'm so excited. Bye-bye. Adios.
1: Bye. Adios.
0: If you've been listening to A.S. for a while, you know that I'm a big supporter of providing a platform for Latinas to share their stories and inspire current and future generations of women. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the lives of more amazing Latinas just like you. You can help by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Tell me what you think and leave any number of stars. It would mean the world to me. Thank you in advance. AS is produced, hosted, and audio edited by me, Brenda hernandez Jaimes. Our video conversations are edited by Javier Ortiz Ruiz. Our logo and podcast cover art was designed by Jennifer Cepeda. And thank you to Shro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org. Or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and follow him on Instagram. This
1: is it. Yes.